Hello and welcome to CBS Radio Mystery Theater from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... Come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. Necessity, the old philosopher remarked, is a most unpredictable lady. She inspires some of us to become inventors and thus acquire fame and fortune. She also drives some of us to make bad bargains and thus acquire misery and debt. And how are you to know what necessity will do with you? Friends, isn't it clear by this time it's not what she does with you? It's what you do with her. Al, I didn't want it to happen. Believe me. Look, I'm willing to make it up to you. You don't have to. I'm prepared to propose another course of action. Anything you say, Al, anything. Just, Just tell me what I have to do. You don't have to do anything. Just stand there. And don't move. Al! Don't spoil my aim. mystery drama, How Can I Ever Thank You, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Sam Dan and stars Mandel Kramer. It is sponsored in part by True Value Hardware Stores. I'll be back shortly with Act One. How did Mr. Franklin put it? If you would not be forgotten as soon as you are dead, either write the things worth the reading or do the things worth the writing. That's what it amounts to, doesn't it? Fame, I mean. Write or be written about. Considering that true fame is something you can only get long after you're dead, what difference should it really make once you're gone and placed down under? Should it matter? Evidently it does, to a great many people. Mr. Baraclow, you simply must talk to me. Why don't you go home? I can't go home. Have you had a fight with your wife? Uh, uh, no, I'm not married. Then your home should be a most pleasant place indeed. I simply cannot go home until we've arrived at some sort of understanding. I already have one. I am not going to speak to you. And hopefully you are not going to speak to me. But you have to speak to me. I'm your attorney. But I did not engage you. I was appointed by the court. Then go speak to the judge. (sighs) Mr. Barakow, please try to understand my situation. Mr. Jaggers, I couldn't care less about your situation. The eyes of the country, yes, even the world, will be on this trial. And, of course, on me. I understand. Now, you are going to make me look like a fool. Why? Well, because you refuse to allow me to present a defense. That isn't true. Present any sort of defense you like. I only ask you not to involve me in it. Well, how can I defend you without involving you? There does seem to be a difficulty there. You'll have to get around it as best you can. Mr. Barraclough, I have to tell the ladies and gentlemen of the jury exactly why you killed Malcolm Tinsley. But I did not 
kill Malcolm Tinsley. That's why we have to work up a defense. Jaggers, this discussion is beginning to bore me. Your life is at stake. They haven't abolished the death penalty. You can still get the chair. Now, think about that. Mr. Jaggers, I am compelled to stay in this small, cramped, uncomfortable cell which is lacking in all but the barest amenities. But you, sir, are free to depart at any time. As I was saying... Even if you don't get the chair, you'll get life. Or 25 years, which is just about the same thing for all practical purposes. All that time in a place like this, it amounts to death. A living death. Poor Mr. Jaggers. <sighs> Mr. Bearclaw, I don't know. I, I couldn't even hope to guess what your game is. But believe me, whatever it is, it isn't going to work. that what he thinks it is? I really shouldn't be so hard on him. What can he do? He's a lawyer. He's a victim of his education and his experience. So many of us are. We're the prisoners of our own philosophy. Why did you kill Tinsley? Was it because of Margaret? The prosecutor will state that was the motivating factor. Margaret. Know what I'd like? A glass of champagne. Well, there isn't any, so you might just as well go to bed. Now, if you really loved me, you'd come and buy me some. At this hour? What's wrong with this hour? You know who'd go out and buy me a bottle of champagne right now? Malcolm Tinsley. The stores are closed. Ah, it's just an excuse. No, it's a law. They can't stay open past midnight. No ways. When there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> Or is it when there's a will, there's a motive? Ah, that's the title of Malcolm's latest book. Or is it the theme of the book? Malcolm's books do not have themes. Oh, that was a low blow. A low and jealous blow. Jealous? Why should I be jealous of Malcolm? Well, for one thing, he's got a million dollars. Maybe two million dollars. I wouldn't doubt it. When you sell out to the Philistines, you get a good price. No, it's not so bad. I feel too good. I had such a marvelous time at the party. Margaret, I suggest that we end this discussion <laughs> since you show unmistakable signs of intoxication. No, in other words, I'm drunk. If that's how you would have it. Yes, that's how I would have it. I'm drunk. I'm drunk with happiness and drunk with joy. I still think you should get to bed. I want another glass of champagne and I want another dance with Malcolm. Well, Margaret, I don't have time to listen to any more of this nonsense. I have work to do in the morning. Now, good night. Well, am I to understand you're not going to get me some champagne? There isn't any. Good night, Margaret. <laughs> was a Margaret I had never seen before in all of our 12 years of married life. This was not the serene, sensible, and studious Margaret with whom I'd been so comfortable. Of course, it could have been the wine that was talking. The following morning... <sighs> Some toast. Thank you. I'm afraid I had rather too much to drink last night. Yes, I'm afraid you did. Did I do or... Say anything foolish? These things are best forgotten, Margaret. Oh, dear. Then I did. I know I made a spectacle of myself. Yes, you did. Oh, this is awful. What did I do? 
You don't remember? No, no, dear. I, I, I do not. Well, I'm sure it's because you do not wish to remember. You made a fool of yourself with Malcolm Tinsley. Oh, exactly how? The best for all concerned to consider the matter closed. I should have realized that I simply could not say a thing like that to a woman. Any more than you can wave a red flag at a bull. If the analogy is somewhat disjointed, please forgive me. After all, I am about to describe a scene in which my wife shall have an assignation with my best friend. Although I was unaware of it at the time. Margaret! What a happy surprise. Are you sure you're not busy now? No, no, no. Come in, come in. Thank you. Well, uh, sit down. Oh. No, 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 no. Here, here. We'll, uh, both sit down on the couch. Oh. Uh, Malcolm, are you sure I'm not disturbing you? Oh, of course you're disturbing me. Oh, well, then I shall leave. Oh, that would disturb me even more. What are you saying? I'm saying I love you. Oh, you mustn't say that. After last night, what do you expect me to say? Last night? Uh, yes. Uh, Malcolm, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Margaret, you... You mean you, you want to take back any of it? Well, I, I don't know. Perhaps I'm not quite sure just exactly what it is. You haven't forgotten. Oh, it's not that I've forgotten. Uh, I suppose it's more a case of... Not really knowing. Well, how can you say that? One moment we were strangers. Strangers? Well, do you know how long we've known each other? Oh, but how and as what? You, you were Algernon's wife. I was his close friend. That was our relationship. Till last night. Last night? And then last night we were dancing together. We looked into each other's eyes as if we'd met for the first time. It was a rare moment, Margaret. A moment in a million. And we weren't the only ones who knew it. No? It was a shock that startled everyone in the room. Oh, darling. How I love you. Malcolm. And when you told me how much you loved me. Malcolm, I thought thought it was a dream. It was a dream. A dream come true. We we were together? Darling, we'll always be together. Oh, Malcolm, I, I don't understand. What do you want with me? Do you have to ask? I'm older than you. Who cares? I'm not even beautiful. Who says so? My mirror says so, for one thing. And I saw the women who were there last night. Actresses, models, beautiful, glamorous women. All of them after you. You you had your pick. Yes, I had my pick and I chose you. But I'm married to Algernon. Um, (laughs) that's no problem. It isn't. It would be a problem had you said I'm in love with Algernon, but you said I'm married to Algernon. Oh, Malcolm, I I don't know what to do. Darling, you don't have to do anything. I don't. Why don't we uh, just let nature take its course? Oh, but it, it, it isn't right. What isn't right? Oh, it isn't right not to tell Algernon. I'm sure Algernon already knows. In a way, I suppose I did. And I suppose it followed a sort of terrible historical logic. You see, I had discovered Malcolm Tinsley. Yes, he was my protege, my disciple. 
I'd already published my tenth novel. I was, I was famous. So I befriended a poor, struggling, starving writer. Please, uh, tell me the truth, Mr. Baraclow. What do you really think of it? I think it shows promise. Oh. <laughs> Is that all? My dear young fellow, isn't that enough? I think you can become a major novelist one day, provided... Provided what? Provided that you don't go astray. Now, for the practicalities. Why hasn't this manuscript been published? Oh, everybody turned it down. Everybody? Yes, I've taken it to every publisher. I see it. Well, you went about it the wrong way. I did? Certainly. You submitted a brand new work by an unknown author. What you were asking a publisher to do was to go out on a limb and make a judgment. Mm, I suppose so. I shall take this novel to my own publisher. But he's already seen it. No, he hasn't. It was turned over, most likely, to some practically nameless reader whose job it is to send back all unsolicited manuscripts. But I shall bring this to Jefferson Winslow himself. Oh, Mr. Baraclough. I shall say, Jeff, here is your opportunity to discover a great unknown novelist. Gosh, I... I can hardly believe this is happening to me. Well, believe it. Believe it. Why not? It was just that... Well, there's so little kindness and, and, and genuine encouragement in this world. No, there's quite a bit. You just have to meet up with it, I suppose. You would do this for me? What is it, after all? Just a word to a man that I've known for a long time? He respects my judgment, and I know this is a fine book. Sir, I'll never forget what you've done for me. I, I promise you. Beware of making promises you may be unable to keep. Oh, you don't know what it is to be poor and unknown. I don't. How can I ever thank you? How? Obviously, you thanked me by stealing my wife. Yes. Well, that isn't the worst of it. I could have forgiven you for that. It was the other thing, Malcolm... The other thing. One might imagine that stealing a man's wife would be the ultimate. But it seems there's another thing even worse. What can that be? Mr. Oscar Wilde might have said that the one thing that's worse than stealing a man's wife is not stealing a man's wife. But this isn't that kind of story. We shall consider the other thing shortly. In Act Two. The commandment, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. And that's usually the problem. After all, even if the grass looks greener in your neighbor's yard, surely his wife looks prettier in your neighbor's house. Well, it's an ancient problem, and many people find themselves concerned with it to this very day. Mr. Baraclow. Oh, you're, you're still here, Mr. Jaggers. Excuse me, I, I must have dozed off. Now, tomorrow is truly when your case will be won or lost. Really? Tomorrow is when jury selection begins. Mm -hmm. Well, select a jury. Don't let me detain you. This is your trial. Your life. Don't you see? I have to know what type of juror to go for. Suit yourself. Uh, did you kill him because he seduced your wife? May have been the other way around. Because if you did, I know the type of man to look for. 
I want the tight jaw, the thin lip, the steely eye. I know such a juror's puritanical verdict in advance. Then why bother with the formality of a trial? If, on the other hand, you killed him because of... because of professional jealousy, I want another sort. I... I want the dreamy-eyed, the aesthetic, the failed artist. I wonder if you understand. Oh, I understand, Mr. Jaggers. But you don't. Everything falls apart because I did not kill Malcolm Tinsley. Well, you were seen to enter his apartment. The two of you were there for some time. You left. He was dead. Now, please. Very well. Have it your way. No, no. Let's have it your way. Now, you see, you didn't kill him. Yes, and if you didn't, who did? Mr. Jaggers, you would never believe it. Why not? I'll believe it if it's the truth. The truth. Are you afraid of the truth? Why can't you tell me the truth? Why can't you tell me the truth? Such a simple-sounding question. I should have known the truth. Way back, early on. I brought Malcolm Tinsley's manuscript to Jeff Winslow. Why did I fail to read the signs? Definitely, yes. Yes, yes. and he's only 26, you say? Well, that's fantastic. He shows every sign of becoming the foremost American man of letters. The foremost, Jeff? Well, of his generation. Well, he's a member of my generation, Jeff. The younger half of it, but my generation for all that. Yeah, he's got a long way to go before he could be considered in your class. He doesn't have, uh, doesn't have your depth. But he is certainly a marketable and profitable writer. Yes, that was a sign I should have read, a cue I should have picked up, a clue I should have recognized. But I didn't. And when his first book started coming out in such a cascade... Yes, cascade. How else could I describe such a roaring, raging stream? There was another sign, closer to home... Wine? No, I don't think so. But this is your favorite. No, I'm starting my new novel. I want my head clear. Oh. I didn't know you were ready to begin so soon. Mm. I'm going to do some preliminary character sketches tonight. What's it to be about? What's any novel about? Love, death, money, hope, despair. Oh, sounds very serious. It is. I was reading where Malcolm's latest has made a million-dollar paperback sale. Has it? And at least another half million for the movie rights. Is he actually getting all that money? Well, these figures are usually somewhat inflated. And then there are taxes, you oh, know. Oh, but there'll be still quite a bit left. No, I would assume so. Couldn't you write a book like that? Like what? Like Forbidden Desire. No. But those are the books people read. Forbidden Desire by Malcolm Tinsley sold one and a half million in hardcover. I see you read the book reviews. What did your last book sell? 13,000. Huh, you didn't even make your advance. Look, Margaret, a man must write what he believes in. Yes, yes, I understand. Only I... I wish you had more recognition. I am recognized. Where it counts, my books will be read a hundred years from now. Well, Malcolm's? But there were some signs that were not nearly so obscure. And one of them stared me in the face with such clarity that I 
as I review everything, it seems to me that it's working out almost as if it were a novel. With all the appropriate reverses of fate. I went to see Jeff Winslow about my latest book. And I'll bet that you can just about predict the outcome of the scene. Uh, you, uh, you must forgive me, Algernon. I, I've been so busy these days. Well, you were never too busy to talk to one of your authors. That was one of your most important priorities. Uh, yes, yes, I know, I know. I know. Now, now my basic priority is to uh, soothe the collective fevered brow of the parent company. What parent company? We have been taken over. We are now part of a conglomerate. Well, what does this mean? Well, it means that we uh, must be primarily concerned with the bottom line. In other words, profits. Oh? Yeah. We are now owned by what is basically an oil company. What does an oil company know about literature? It doesn't know anything about literature, but it knows everything about product. Product? Yes. What we turn out here is product, which is marketed and sold... And this gets us to your latest novel. Yes, I, I brought it in early so we could get a spring publication date. Yeah, yeah I, Algernon, we, uh... Look, we can't publish it. What? Oh, no, no, wait. We, we, we could discuss this thing for days. I mean, even weeks. But the basic fact, the bottom line is we can't publish it. You don't like it, Jeff? Oh, no, no, I, I like it. I like it. It isn't that. It just won't sell. The truth is, Algernon... None of your books really sell. Well, they've made money. Yes, it's a modest profit, yes. But today, that isn't enough. You need a blockbuster. What happened to the Jefferson Winslow who used to publish a book because he believed in it? Yeah. He went broke. Well, why don't you write something like like, like Malcolm Tinsley? And I, listen, I can arrange for a very nice advance. Goodbye, Jeff. No, no, just don't walk out like that. I'd better, while we're still friends. Of course, all that was bad enough. But in a sense, it was to be expected. So many times, the disciple outstrips the master. The changing of rules is not only a feature of literature, but also a fact of history. Sometimes, the erstwhile disciple kills the master with cruelty. And sometimes, he kills him with kindness. As Malcolm Tinsley did to me. Algernon, huh, I thought I'd find you here. Are you looking for me? Um, Margaret told me. Margaret? You talk about me when you're together? Well, neither of us could help ourselves. Seems to me I've read that line in every one of your books. Uh, look, let's, uh, let's talk about something that's really important. You and Jeff Winslow. And why would that be important? I, uh, I understand he doesn't want to publish your latest. Well, I am not going to let him get away with it. If it weren't for you, I might never have made it. You had patience with a young, unknown stranger. You, you read my manuscript. You brought it to your publisher, remember? Oh, yeah. He published it because you told him to. You were strong enough to tell him to. And at the time, I asked, how could I ever thank you? Well, now I know how. I'll do the same for you. The same? Yes, this time, I'll bring a manuscript to that very same publisher, and I'll say, publish it, Jeff. You know, the veiled threat, the implication will be that if he doesn't, I'll go elsewhere with my next book. That's what you're willing to do for me? That's what I'm willing to do for you. You can go to the devil. Ow! I only want to help you. You need your help. You forget yourself. I'm a novelist, a man of letters. What are you, a hack? 
writer of grubby potboilers for sex-starved neurotics. Now, 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 hold on a minute, Algernon. Remove the four-letter words from your novels, you'd be left with entire blank pages. Hey, I've been putting up with your patronizing attitude long enough. My work has literary merit. Oh, really? Yes. It has vitality. It has life. Hmm. What do we find in your work when we can understand it, that is? It's obscure. It's sterile. A hundred years from now, who will be read? Who will be remembered? You or me? You like to flatter yourself. I'll stack my work against yours any day. You call the trivia you spew forth work? Serious work? You think because it's popular it has no merit? Hey, pal. I came here to do you a good deed. You told me to go to the devil. Yeah. Now you can go to the devil. Good night. I said hi. I heard you. So? Hi again? I don't wish to be impolite, but I am not looking for company. I know. So if you'll excuse me. He's gone, but you stayed. Therefore, I would assume you're the one who wants me. My good woman. Oh, no, no, no. You mustn't call me that. Anything but that. I would appreciate it if you would let me alone. Oh, I'm sure there are other gentlemen in the establishment who would be glad of your company. We really should cut through this nonsense. What happened was this. You told him to go to the devil. He didn't. He told you to go to the devil. And obviously, you did. What? What are you saying? When you say to someone, go to the devil, just what do you think happens? What do I... Look... What are you trying to tell me? If it should so happen that the person really wants to go to the devil, then your command has struck a sympathetic chord. Do you follow this? No. I think you do. And so this coincidence becomes a reality, and you literally do go to the devil. What devil? <laughs> How many are there? The famous devil of song, story, and legend. How do you do? What do you mean? How do you do? Oh, I am the devil. Well, why are you staring at me like that? Well, I must say this is the most interesting approach I've ever encountered in all my life. You don't believe I'm the devil? Oh, madam, I don't know what your game is, nor do I care. You, sir, are a male chauvinist. If I were a man with a mustache and horns and a tail, you'd have no trouble believing me. Well, you must admit... What must I admit? Who says the devil has to be what you have chosen to picture? What you have been conditioned to accept? Please, let's not have a scene. Do you know how long we had to fight, we women, before one of us could be accepted as the devil? No, but I'm okay, sure... let's it... get down to business. I don't have all night. Business? What business would I have with you? Assuming you're the devil. I am the devil... And you have business with me. Well, I can't think of any. You came to me, didn't you? No. You came to me. I came to you because you wanted me. Now, tell me. Why do you want me? But I don't want you. That's a lie. It's the truth. Is it? Think. Think what it is that you want. What it is that you want so badly, you'd give your soul for it. he want? You've known Mr. Algernon Bearclaw for a while now. What does he want above all? Revenge? Possibly. 
but in what form? We know Mr. Bearclaw is an extremely complicated human being, so therefore, we cannot have a simple answer to the questions, which shall, of course, be answered in Act Three. that said, if you would make a man your enemy, do him a good turn. Ah, well, unfortunately, sometimes that appears to be the way of the world. Here we have poor Algernon Bearclaw, who thinks all his troubles started when he befriended a poor, starving writer. And when I say here, we have him. By here, I mean a prison cell. Mr. Bearclaw, why won't you talk to me? Because, Mr. Jaggers, we have nothing to talk about. But I am your defense attorney, sir. You're about to go on trial for your life. My life? That isn't, strictly speaking, an accurate statement. It isn't? No, sir. It isn't my life any longer. How can you say it isn't your life? Because my life doesn't belong to me now. Oh, I give up. The devil only knows what you're talking about. <laughs> right he is. Poor Mr. Jaggers. How can I ever hope to tell him? How can I even try to explain that there really is a devil? And that I not only had a conversation with her, but also made a bargain. What do you want, Mr. Paraclow? You know. Of course I know. I knew it all along. I knew it even before you did. Then why do you have to ask me? Because you must wrench that desire from out of the deep hidden recesses of your mind. You must acknowledge it. Do you understand? Yes. Now then, tell me. What do you want? I want to know if I shall succeed. Succeed in what? In my ultimate ambition. Which is? To live forever. To live forever as a man? Impossible. No, you know what I mean. I want my name to live forever. I want to find out if I have succeeded. If I have created a body of writing which will be immortal. And this is what you want to know? Yes. Is this more important to you than anything else? Yes. How long does a book have to live? Two or three hundred years and the writer is pretty much assured of immortality. Could you answer that question for me? No problem. How would I know it's the truth? Well, you would see for yourself. Let's see, a couple of hundred years from now, they'd have libraries, wouldn't they? I should like to think so. Good. You'd go visit one. See if your books are there. Go into the future? Why not? Well, it's impossible. For oh, the devil, nothing is impossible. Would that be a way to prove it? You can send me into the future? Absolutely. Assuming it's true... In return for what? To prove I'm the devil. And after you've proved it? You'll want to make a deal with me. How do you know? I'll take that chance. Go ahead. Go into the future. Right now. Wait. Afraid to find out? No. I have to find out. Very well. I'll be going 200 years into the future, you say? Yes. It'll be a completely different world. It will. Different in dress. In manners, and just about everything. 
How will I be able to manage? Don't worry. You'll be equipped with the proper attire and the correct diction. And now, here you go. And I went. I really don't know how to describe the trip. If indeed it was a trip. It's just that I was aware of changes. Changes within my consciousness. I felt that I was in another time. In another place. I was conscious of myself. I was dressed not in a suit and a tie, but in a, in a sort of tunic. And I was in a sort of room, reclining on, I suppose it was a couch. In front of me was a screen. Near my hand was a console with switches and buttons, and I seemed to know exactly what to do, as if I belonged there. I pushed a button. A face appeared on the screen. Good morning. Welcome to Library Central. I am Information. Good morning. State your requirements, please. I am interested in a 20th century writer. Yes. His name is Algernon Baraclough. And concerning Algernon Baraclough? Oh, he wrote 15 novels. Are they, uh, are they still being read today? Stand by. Yes. No novel by mentioned writer Algernon Baraclough exists in print, in film, in tape, or even in memory. Nobody reads Algernon Baraclough today? No one? No one. Uh, does this complete your quest for information? That's impossible. Do you question the accuracy of information? He was a first-rate writer. He was a man of talent, of genius. How could he not be read today? Well, information has no record of any works by Algernon Baraclough. If indeed he even existed. He existed? Uh, citizen, perhaps he exists only in your imagination. How can you say that? I tell you there was a great writer named Algernon Baraclough. And information must tell you that there is no record at all of any of his work. But there has to be something about Algernon Baraclough, some mention somewhere. That is not the question that was asked. The question was about the work of Algernon Baraclough. The answer, negative. Now you pose a new question. Mention of the name Algernon Baraclough. Stand by. The name Algernon Baraclough has been recorded for history. I told you. In passing. Passing? Yes, in connection with the celebrated Malcolm Tinsley. What are you saying? Reference is made, in passing, to one Algernon Baraclough who is credited with helping Malcolm Tinsley. Malcolm Tinsley? What about Malcolm Tinsley? Uh, stand by. Yes, Malcolm Tinsley, the most celebrated writer of the 20th century. That's a lie. You persist in challenging information. Go on. Go on. I might as well hear the rest of it. Malcolm Tinsley published his first novel in 1970. For the next 15 years, he wrote lurid stories of violence and explicit sex. There, I knew it. That's what he's famous for. Well, he can have it. Uh, however, in the late 1980s, he suddenly changed direction. He began to create serious works of substantial literary merit. That can't be true. He became the literary giant of his time, towering above all his contemporaries. Stop. I don't want to hear any more. I don't want to know any more. I don't want to hear any more. I don't want to hear any more. Yes, I suppose you have heard enough. Well, 
Now you know. Yes. Now I know. But it isn't right. Right, wrong. These things depend on your point of view. It isn't fair. Fair. What's fair? I worked so hard. Don't look at me. I never told you to work hard. I sacrificed so much. The bigger fool you. I thought at least I'd have immortality. And if you did get it, what could you do with it? What do any of the moldering in their graves do with it? I can't let him get away with it. Ah, now you're talking. What can I do about it? May I offer my services? What can you do about it? He became a serious writer because of work published after the late 1980s. Yes. The late 1980s are still in the future. Oh. Kill him. Change the course of his life. I couldn't do that. I understand. That's why you need me. I'll see to it that it gets done. But... But what... Do you want him to achieve immortality? Never. Well, the only way to stop him is... You know. Yes. But you can't do it yourself. No. Well, then? He doesn't deserve it. No, he has to be stopped. I won't even stop. How badly? I give anything in the world. Including your soul? Yes, I'd sell my soul. Do you know what that means? To sell your soul. It means you become one of us. One of our people. You are subject to call at our convenience. Call? Does that mean I die? Your body is unimportant. It is to me. It won't be where you're going. Where am I going? Hell. What's it like? A place that's filled with people like yourself. How soon afterward will I die? That depends. Just as soon as we can arrange to have it happen in a neat and orderly fashion. How is that going to work? Logically. You'll understand when the proper time comes. Meanwhile, you must have your value received. Malcolm Tinsley must not live to write his great works. Go and visit Mr. Tinsley tonight. Do I have to? Oh, yes. But we're not on speaking terms. Telephone him. I wouldn't know what to say to him. I'll tell you what to say to him. You will? Certainly. From now on, every word you speak is a word I shall put into your mouth. After all, you belong to me. Hello? Malcolm? Algernon! Malcolm, I know that harsh and bitter words have passed between us. Each of us had injured the other. I, I didn't mean Well, it doesn't to... matter. The important thing is we're friends. Friendship, Malcolm. Love dies, fame and wealth may disappear, but friendship endures. Algernon, I, I, I've always felt our friendship was the most vital thing in my life. You suppose I might stop by for a drink? Well, of course, Algernon, of course. I'll be right there. Why did you make me say all that nonsense? It did the job, didn't it? I've never spoken such pap in all my life. Well, maybe that's why we need you down in our place. You might help improve our literary style. What do I do now? Go visit your friend. Which is exactly what I did. When I arrived there, I rang the bell. No one answered. Then I noticed the door was open. So I walked in, and there he was, lying on the floor. There was blood oozing from his chest. 
His shirt was covered with a stain that kept growing larger and darker. He had just been stabbed. You could see the knife still sticking in the wound. I, I called the police like a good citizen. He was dead when you arrived, you say? Yes, Captain. So, why did you have blood on your shirt and on your hands? Because I leaned over to see if I could... To see if he was still alive and needed help. Look, let's cut through all this nonsense, huh? He stole your wife. Stole her? Well, if that's how she felt, good riddance. You had a fight in a bar. No blows were struck. But still a fight. You were jealous of his reputation. Me? Jealous? Mr. Barraclough, you killed him. Your prints are on the knife. I explained that. I removed it from the wound. You killed him, and you know it, and I know it. Now, let's call in the stenographer, and you can make your confession. What's to confess? A bargain with the devil? Who would believe it? So here I am, in my cell, waiting to be tried. And I have this very kind, very patient lawyer who keeps asking me to help him prepare a defense. Poor Mr. Jaggers. Doesn't he know that there is no defense? That this is how I must go? This is the devil's design? Mr. Baraclow, you must help me. I would if I could, Mr. Jaggers. But you can just tell me what happened. I know the case looks stacked against you, but I'm a good lawyer. Just give me some ammunition. I can shoot down that DA. Poor Mr. Jaggers. The truth is, you're not up against the district attorney. Just another lawyer. You're up against the prince of lawyers. The what? Or I should have said, the princess of lawyers. You can't fight her. This is how it has to end. All we know is what Mr. Algernon Barraclough has seen fit to tell us. And after all, if he has shaved a fact here and slanted a point there, well, after all, the man is a novelist by profession. My profession is to await your pleasure. And I shall return shortly. It's a story almost as old as the world itself, this business of selling one's soul to the devil. And yet, it is endlessly fascinating. Perhaps it's because it happens so often. So many people make the bargain, and so many more would if they were offered the chance. Of course, there are always those who will stand firm in the face of temptation. Have you ever wondered to which type you belong? Or... Have you already found out the hard way? Our cast included Mandel Kramer, Russell Horton, Earl Hammond, and Joyce Gordon. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. Mrs. E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams. Your hometown camera shop at 608 Green in Champaign's Campus Town has presented the WDWS CBS Radio Mystery Theater. Join us again soon as Herbers again presents our voyage into some of life's great mysteries.
Good night. <laughs>